Welcome to Passion Church. For more information about Passion Church, please visit us online at www.passionchurch.tv. Now let's join the service already in progress. Give God the best praise you can. Come on. Come on. Let's magnify him. Let's glorify him. He's worthy to be praised. Hallelujah. Bless your name, Jesus. Hallelujah. Father, as we get ready to share your word in this place, God, I ask that you would touch each mind, touch each person that's here today. God, we're on assignment with Passion Church. And I'm asking God that the passion be restored. God, that you would anoint, that you would touch, that you would deliver, that you would set free, that you would invigorate, that you would set on fire. God, the folks in this house. God, I believe that there's a divine assignment in this city. And I believe this church is a big part of that. So right now, God, do only what you can do, and that's not fail. God, I believe there's some dreamers in this room. I believe there's some folks in this room, God, that have seen you, have heard from you, and now they need to be released, God, to be able to do your work. So today, God, allow them to receive that, that they may be pleasing unto you. And at the end of everything, God will give you all the glory, all the honor, and all the praise. If you are in agreement, clap your hands and celebrate the Lord. Hallelujah. Before you take your seat, I just need you to reach over and tell somebody we have work to do. Find somebody that look like that W word is a cuss word and tell them we got work to do. <laughs> Hallelujah. Please take your seats. What an honor. What a privilege to be back in the city uh, of Oklahoma to be here just to, to worship and to praise God with you. Y'all got to know that, that Steve has become a good brother and a good friend of mine. And it, it kicked off in Israel, but it has continued over time and we text and fellowship, even though we're far away. And I don't know who's more excited to be here, me or him, uh, but we're both excited. God has done some amazing things since the last time uh, we saw you all, and I'm just excited to be here. I need you to know that you have a giant of a man, a giant of a leader, that this brother is known all over the place. It's amazing uh, to meet new people and, and to fellowship with people. And then they ask me, you know, well, who do you know? And I tell them, Steve, oh, we know Steve. I was even on the plane sitting next to a couple, and they asked me where I was going. I said, I'm preaching for Steve Ely on Sunday. Oh, we know Steve. I'm like, y'all got a superstar. I think you ought to celebrate your leadership and Steve and Julie. Amazing people. Just give me a minute. I promise you I'm going to take off in, in just a minute. Uh, but I just want to do some acknowledgments. I just recently stopped traveling alone. Uh, it was something about uh, traveling alone that my folks didn't want me to do. Uh, they said all kind of stuff. And I like to sneak off, but uh, they wouldn't let me do it anymore. 
uh, to the point where I don't even book my tickets anymore. They, they quietly do it and then give me my itinerary. I think that's crazy. Hallelujah. But I thank God for one of the elders of my church that is here, Elder Trinity Payton. I call him Trent. He has the Father and the Son. We're still working on the Holy Ghost. Y'all pray for him. <laughs> Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And my good friend and brother who I have just gained an affinity for, he's become a brother, a mentor, and a father. Brother Stacy Hilliard is here as well, and we're grateful to God uh, for him. I shared my testimony the last time I came, and, and since then the Lord blessed me to be able to write a little book about it, uh, Convicted, Converted, and Forgiven, uh, From the Streets to the Pulpit. Uh, and so we brought a few copies here today. If it blessed you last year, I'd love to sign and leave a copy with you uh, here today. John, chapter 14. John, chapter 14. They said it stormed and rained last night. I slept right through it. Praise the Lord. <laughs> They said it was lightning and all kind of stuff. I was resting in Jesus. John chapter 14. I want to read verse 12, if you don't mind. John chapter 14, verse 12. Out of the King James Version, I'll be reading this morning where the Bible declares, Verily, verily, I say unto you, He that believeth on me, the works that I do, shall he do also. And greater works than these shall he do, because I go to my Father. I just want to use what I thought on this morning. I prayed really hard about what to share with Passion Church, and I heard from God very clearly. Uh, just nudge on somebody. I'm going to talk to your neighbor preacher, so you might as well like the person you sitting next to this morning. Uh, just nudge on them a little bit and say, greater works. Just nudge, nudge on the other side and say, greater works. Now, if y'all talk back to me, I'll get you out of here by 5 o'clock. But if you don't talk back to me, we might be here at 11. I'm going to instruct them to lock the doors, so don't think about going nowhere. Praise the Lord. It is interesting because we live in a time where everything has become socially acceptable. I live in California, and California is passing all kinds of laws that are absolutely crazy. I, I like to call them diabolical. They're, they're so against God, it's amazing. Everything's becoming legal. It is scary. We used to have churches on every corner. Now we have dispensaries on every corner. And while we were getting rid of liquor stores and those kind of things and, and running out things that were not like God, that we didn't want our children to experience, Laws are being passed and they're making things legal and the fight has become aggressive. I'm concerned because there's a giant that's sleeping and the giant's name is the church. I'm concerned because the church has become so quiet. It's almost to the point that once the things happen, then the church wants to speak up and it's too late. 
I'm becoming concerned because I think we've gotten into the four walls and we've closed in and we're having amazing services, but we don't know what's going on in the world. I'm concerned that we don't know what's going on in current events, that we don't read the newspaper anymore, that we cut off CNN and cut on TBN and we don't really know what's going on and we need to really pay attention to what's going on in our world. How can we be the light of the world when we're cutting the light off and going in the house and closing the doors? We become an instant society. We, we drive to work and we come home. We go in our garages. We cut the garage door down and we don't even know who our neighbors are. How in the world can we be the light to the world and the, light, and the world never sees us? We're living in a time now where, where people uh, are starting to call the gospel a hate doctrine. They just passed a law in California that talks about you can't speak from Bible passages in, in certain places. Uh, so it's began that they're trying to wash out the Bible and scriptures that talk about certain issues in relative to morality and those kinds of things. If we speak on them, uh, now they're talking about taking 501c3s, which is our nonprofit status. They are trying to silence the church. And it's amazing because I'm here today in a Voices series, and, and it mind-boggled me because God is saying we need to cry loud and spare not. That the time is coming where the church really needs to speak up. It's no longer a concern about offending people because the Bible declared Jesus didn't come to bring peace but a sword, that he came to set folks against. Why? Because we need to speak up about what's going on. We need to speak up about the love of Jesus. I'm not talking about speaking up about hate and condemning people. I'm talking about speaking up that Jesus still heals. Jesus still delivers. Jesus still sets free. Jesus is still on the throne. And if we open our mouths, we can give the world back the hope that they need. They're looking for false hope and all these other things. And we have the answer to cancer. And it scares me that we sit in church and we're silent and we have the answer to the world's problems. I dare you to look at your neighbor and tell them, you need to wake up. You need to wake up. You need to wake up. I don't know what it is. Maybe we need to turn the lights on in here. I don't know what it is. But we need to wake up. We need to understand that God has called us to solve the problems. Now, the Bible declares that we were reconciled for the ministry of reconciliation. Simply put, God reconciled us back to himself that we can go to work in the ministry of reconciliation, bringing peace between sinners and God. It is our job as a believer to bring peace between sinners and God. It is our job as believers to bring peace between sinners and God. Not to look at them and have pity on them. Not to look at them and just say, I'm praying for you. Jesus was moved with compassion. And every time he was moved with compassion, he was moved to do something about it. We ought to take something from Nike and just do it. We, 
We ought to. We ought to just figure out that it's time that we just go on and do it. I love a couple of Bible passages because a lot of times we think we're ill-equipped, that we don't have the knowledge, that we don't have the skill to be able to do it. And I always use the woman at the well who was looking, uh, you know, for her customers. I'm going to be real PG, praise the Lord. And she came to the well and she was looking for her customers and she found Jesus and ran into Jesus and couldn't figure out why Jesus would even talk to her because she was a Samaritan woman and, and Jesus gave her the spill of her life, told her all about herself and told her, if you drink of this well, you'll never thirst again. Hallelujah. And so after long, short, the Bible says she went back to the city and said, come see a man. Now, I always point out right here that she still had on her clothes of profession. Did I, did I do all right right there? She still had her clothes of profession on. The thing that I always point out is she didn't have a missionary license. She didn't go to a seminar. She didn't take a class. She didn't do none of that. She went right back into the city that she had been serving for the devil. And she began to tell people, come see a man that told me all about myself. And the Bible says, watch this now, because this gets me excited. Excited. The Bible says, and the city came out. Y'all ain't saying nothing. Isn't it interesting that a woman that everybody looked at and said, I'm praying for you, was able to evangelize and had never sat foot in a church? Y'all ain't saying nothing. Y'all going to make me run. Hallelujah. It's interesting because sometimes we count ourselves out because of our past. We count ourselves out because of what we've been through. And she was still fresh from the street. She still smelt like the street. She still smelt like her profession. But she opened her mouth because something happened in her heart that she could not deny. And when she city could not deny that something different had happened to this woman. So they had to come see who impacted somebody that they could not change. Hallelujah. God has the ability to take anybody and turn them around. But we got to open our mouths and let people know that Jesus still has power. Look at your neighbor and ask him, what's your story? What's What's your story? Oh, you're going to have to talk to them better than that. Look at them and tell them, what's your story? They're not going to tell you if you don't speak up. And they, they've got destiny locked up in them. So you've got to get it out of them sometimes. What you've been delivered from? What you've been set free from? What has God done for you? The Bible says, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Whom the Lord hath redeemed. you got to open your mouth and tell people of the goodness of Jesus. So let me take another text here. The Bible says you're saved by the blood of the Lamb and the word of your testimony. I believe that some folks are half saved. I think they're half saved because they got the blood, but they won't testify. Y'all didn't got real quiet. Uh, look down your row and ask them, are you all the way saved? Ask them, who knows your story? You won't tell nobody how you got delivered from Hennessy. You won't tell them. You won't tell them. 
You won't tell them. You won't tell them how, how you were smoking weed. You won't tell them. And how is anybody going to get delivered from weed if you don't tell them about your sneaky days? Hallelujah. Y'all not going to say nothing. We got to give people hope. But the, the, the truth is, is when you're delivered from something, you're, you're not scared to talk about it. You're not scared to talk about it. I've been delivered from all kind of stuff, and I don't care what people think. I used to wake up to weed, go to sleep to weed. I used to drink 40s. I used to sleep with multiple women. I don't care about talking about it because what it does for me is share of the goodness of Jesus. And people can judge and say whatever they want to do, but the Bible says be careful how you judge because it's a boomerang. Oh, it'll come back to you. It'll come back to you. I'm free. How can I talk about it? Because I'm free. I'm free. I'm liberated. God has set me free. I don't get depressed about my past. I get excited about my past because it reminds me of the goodness of Jesus. We got work to do. We got work to do. We got work to do. And I've seen some of the stuff that has been happening in Oklahoma it seems like there's a demonic attack on Oklahoma. It, it, it's blowing my mind some of the things that are happening, some of the laws that are being passed. And I knew it would happen in California, but I didn't think it would come and slip down into the Bible Belt where, where folks really love Jesus. But the truth of the matter is, is we've got to be careful that we don't slip into religion and lose relationship. Because we can become so religious and so repetitious that, that we're so busy for the church, we're not working for God. Y'all ain't in here. Y'all ain't in here. Uh, we get so caught up in the menial tasks of church, and we forget about the people that we're supposed to be ministering to in the first place. I have a question. How can you pass the church on the way to church? Oh, it's going to take a minute. It'll catch on in a minute. Yes. Yes, when you went and got your coffee this morning, uh, you was just in a hurry to get to church, and, and, and you didn't talk to nobody in the coffee shop about Jesus. You, you just got your, your, your coffee, and you got out of there, and people were in there that had cancer. People were in there uh, that had all kind of disease. People were in there that might were getting ready to commit suicide, and none of us went in there looking for an opportunity to be able to share Jesus with anybody. What's wrong with us? We'll pass a person that's getting ready to pass away just because they got a sign and we think they're going to take that money and go do drugs with it or whatever the case may be. And we judge people before we even meet them and hear their story. But Jesus said, if you do want it to the least of these, you've done it to me. We need to stop looking at their condition and judging them by their condition and realize that they're a soul, they're a heart, and we need to reach out to them. How many of you have a drunk uncle? Let me see. Drunk uncle, drunk cousin somebody on drugs, somebody incarcerated. Come on, keep them up. Uh, we're, we're proving something here. Somebody that, that really needs Jesus that you know, somebody stuck on depression. Uh, almost all the hands are up. We know people. I heard your pastor say something about you write down 10 names and call them movers. Is that, is that what it is? That you're, you're praying for 10 names, that their heart would be softened enough to have an encounter with Jesus. And I'm wondering, do you understand how important that is? That is part of the greater work that Jesus has called us to do. It's amazing how many people have called themselves Christians but don't have the life. A Christian, the first thing, the first part of their life is their prayer life. You have 
to have a prayer life. You won't make it without a prayer life. All right, let me preach back to myself. I know that I have an immense amount of issues in my past. That if I don't pray daily, crazy Levon is going to pop out of there. Oh, it don't take much. You know, road rage, I had to get delivered from it. People would cut me off. They would give me the bird. I would speed up and look at them. <laughs> Sometimes I roll my window down and stick my head out the window. I had issues, but my morning devotion changed that issue. My prayer life and talking to God, and people would cut me off, and i just say, bless them, Lord. You know, I, I don't have time for that foolishness. And I would keep on going, and God began to change my life through my prayer life. I didn't have to take a class to learn the love of Jesus. All I had to do was increase my prayer life and talking to God, and God began to show his love through me. God would begin to direct me. He's not going to buy drugs if you take him in there and buy him a sandwich. I said, okay, yes, Lord. Come on, man, you're hungry. Take him inside. Buy him a sandwich. He was grateful. Got a chance to minister to him. And, and you know, the hardest part was the first one when, when he was crying. And I could tell he wanted a hug. But he had been outside for three weeks. Y'all ain't going to say nothing. And while I was ministering, I was taking short breaths. But when he started to cry, I heard the Lord say, that's a sweet smell to my nostrils. And I had to, I reached out and I hugged that man. And I couldn't worry about everything else. I couldn't worry about his afflictions. I couldn't worry about his smell. Because at that moment, that hug was probably the thing that was going to change his life. What is wrong with the church? What is wrong with us that we've gotten so bougie, so complacent, that we've lost the work of Jesus, that we've lost the essence of the work that God would have us to do? Prisons are filling up. Why? Because we don't think that Jesus has the same power that he did when he was walking the earth. And we didn't read the text in the book of Acts where it says, after that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you. You shall receive power to be my witnesses. We forgot that Jesus has endowed us with power from on high. And I'm not just talking about speaking in tongues. I'm talking about being a witness for Jesus, that, that our light would be radiant and shine, and individuals would see something different in you. We've become so complacent that we're becoming just like the world. We look like the world, we act like the world, and the world is looking for a real power. And so now we have all these confusing doctrines that are popping up and, and teachings that are popping up to try to tell people different things. There's no hell. Let me tell you, hell is real. And the Bible says it's enlarging itself daily. I didn't come to preach doom and gloom, just the truth of the matter, that let's not get distracted from what God will really have us to do. So, so let me hurry. Let me hurry. So now it brings me to a conclusion that, that I've got to understand that God has, has given us a few things that we need to understand. First of all, it is the great commandment. 
We got to go back. We got we to check out Matthew 22. We got to check out Matthew 28. We got to go back, and we really got to digest what God has really called us to do. I, I know at Blessed Faith, I'm sick of just doing normal church. If we're not impacting the community, you might well just cut the lights off and go home because the pastor's not going to be there. If it's not new bodies in the seats, I'm fussing every Sunday. Why is there an empty seat next to you? What's wrong with you? How come you didn't feel? that seat next to you because people are dying every day. We'll pack it out for funerals. <laughs> but when we pack it out for a message of hope that might change somebody's life, we tell everybody, you need to get here. I don't care what you need to do. You need to fly here. You need to come here by train. But the funeral is Friday, and I expect you to be here. Well, I came to declare at the Passion Church that there's a funeral going on next Sunday. Some of y'all catch this in a minute. There's a funeral going on next Sunday, and your old nature has died. Your old thinking has died. And next Sunday, we're going to eulogize your old thinking. We're going to eulogize your lazy ways. We're going to eulogize your religious mindset right here on the altar, and God is going to do a new thing in you. And you might as well call all your family members and tell them, hey, listen, my old nature has died. You need to come to church next Sunday because we're getting ready to eulogize my old nature. My attitude has died. And you might as well come next Sunday and check out the funeral that's getting ready to happen. Our dead stuff is going to God. And you need to call everybody so they can come see it. You want to get a prop pastor? Get a coffin. And let all these folk come put their stuff in that coffin. You know how we do the viewing? And folks like to lay stuff in the coffin. Drives me crazy. Like, like they really going to be able to take it with them. Hallelujah. You, you need to put it in there. You need to take your old nature. Put it in that coffin. Take your attitude. Put it in that coffin. Take your foul mouth. Put it in that coffin. Put it in there. Put it in there. Whatever it is that's not like God. And let your pastor eulogize it. Because old things are passed away. And anytime the Bible uses the word behold, it means something great is getting ready to happen. And he says, behold, all things have become new. Look at somebody and tell them, I'm a new creature in Christ. Y'all talking better now. Hallelujah. Look at your other neighbor and tell them, I'm a new creature in Christ. That means you can't judge me for yesterday. You can't judge me for what I said this morning. You can't judge me for last week. Old things are passed away. God has taken my sins. This ought to make you shout right here because I feel like running. God has taken your sins and thrown them into the sea of forgetfulness to remember them no more. God doesn't remember it. I got a clean slate. Let's do something. Look at your neighbor and tell him, let's do something. Let's do something. I'm not carrying the weight of my past. I'm not carrying the weight of my family. I'm not carrying the weight of my old thinking. Let's go ahead and do something. I feel a whole lot lighter now. God has blessed me. We might as well go and do something. 
And so we get to that great commandment. Love the Lord your God with all thy heart, with all thy mind, with all thy soul. You got to give God everything. You can't cash in half and keep half of your crazy mind. You can't do that. You got to give him everything. If you was crazy in the world, go and be crazy for Jesus. I finally accepted the fact that I was crazy, but I'm going to be crazy for Jesus. I'm going to lose my mind for Jesus. I'm going to go batty for Jesus. I don't care if people don't like me. I don't care if they don't accept me. God fooled around and came and got me from a double life sentence, and I don't believe he called me from out of that to come out here and be average. I'm getting ready to be crazy for Jesus. How the young folks say I'm getting ready to get lit for Jesus. Y'all ain't going to talk to me. Hallelujah. It does not matter to me. God has set me free. So I'm going to love God with everything. I don't care if it's not acceptable. God has been too good to me. So I don't care if it's not acceptable. I'm going to love God with all my mind, with all my heart, with all my soul. Even if it's not acceptable in church, I'm going to love God with all my mind, with all my heart, with all my soul. Even when folks say it don't take all that, I'm going to love God with all my heart, with all my mind, and with all my soul. And then I'm going to take the charge and love my neighbor as myself. Because if I can love my neighbor, I can prove to God that God can trust me with what he showed me. Doesn't matter about the vision that he showed you. It's the process in which you got to go through to be able to get to it. And that's why God always starts at the end of a thing instead of the beginning. Because if he started at the beginning, you would never go through the process. We got work to do. He's given us a vision. But the first work that we have to do is to love God with everything and then love that person you sit next to. Do you love them? Look at them. Do you love them? Look at them. Not that, not that funny love. Look at them. Hallelujah. You really, you really got to love the person sitting next to you. You got to be concerned about them. Do you know when they're not at church? And do you know why? Are they sick? What's going on? Are they having issues? Are we a community? Do we know each other's name? We got to know them that labor among us. We got some work to do. Holler down your row and tell them I love you. And tell them it ain't nothing you could do about it. I love you, and there's nothing you could do about it. Even when you start cutting up, I'm going to love you. Matter of fact, I love God so much that when you're down, I'm going to pick you up. I love God so much that even if you backslide, the Bible said God is married to the backslider. I'm not going to put you on Facebook. I'm not going to put you on blast. I'm coming to get you because I love you in Jesus. Did y'all see such and such drinking? Yeah, I sure did. And I went and knocked the beer out of his hand and told him, come on here. We're not going for that foolishness. So I love God. I love my neighbor. Then we get to that great commission that we're supposed to go into the world and preach the gospel to every creature. It's interesting. And I learned this from Brother Hilliard. It's amazing. It's amazing how we, we can make converts but we're terrible at making disciples. And I figured out why. One of the reasons why is because we can get you to the gate, but after the gate, we have to t expose too much of ourselves. 
and we have to tell people what we went through and we have to expose our, our nature and we're not too sure you can handle our nature because you just got saved. But how in the world are they going to get any further if we don't expose who we are and be transparent so they can have some hope to know that if you can do it, <laughs> Woo! If you can do it, surely I could do it. If Jesus will do it for you, surely he'll do it for me. And we've got to realize that we can't be quiet anymore. That the day is dead for the sleeping giant to continue in nap. We got to wake up. We got to wake up. We got to wake up before it's too late. Everybody wants to complain about what's happening in government. And we forgot the text. That first of all, he exalted prayer, supplication, intercession, and giving of thanks be made for all men, for kings, and for all those who are in authority, that we might lead a quiet, peaceable life in all godliness and honesty. But this is a good and acceptable saying with God our Savior, who might have all men to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. We gotta get back to the text. We gotta get back to the Bible. We gotta get back to the principles that God has taught us before the world goes to hell in a handbasket and we're responsible for it. Is it anybody that's still excited about getting a soul winning crown when you get to heaven? Is it anybody excited about getting the rewards that God has for us? Is anybody excited that Jesus said, I go to prepare a place for you? that in my father's house are many mansions. One of the reasons why we don't get excited about that scripture is because we only hear it at funerals. But it's not the funeral that God wants you to get excited about. Death is just something that we pass through to enter into eternal life. And we've got to remember that there's an afterlife. Is it anybody excited about the rapture? Yeah, this is a quiet subject right here. But every now and then, I just start jumping. They say, what you doing, rapture drill? I got to make sure I'm ready. I got to make sure I'm ready. And while everybody else is running around complaining, I'm waiting for the trumpet to sound. Y'all ain't going to say nothing in here. I'm waiting for God to make the noise where the dead in Christ shall rise first and those that remain will be caught up to meet him in the air. This is the heart of a real believer that loves Jesus and is waiting for his return. We got to get back to basics. We got to understand that God's heart is bleeding, that God's heart is crying, and the church needs to wake up, push your neighbor again, and tell him, just wake up, please, just wake up. Tell him, you got greatness in you. You got greatness in you. I need you to talk to your neighbor. If you sit next to a bougie neighbor, I need you to move. If they don't want to talk, you get up and you find somebody else, because this is the wake-up call that God sent me all the way to Oklahoma to declare. Shake your neighbor and tell them wake up you got greatness in you I know you thought you were raped because God didn't love you but sometimes God allows things to happen so that he can get the glory out of your life you got to realize that everything you went through was for a purpose and a plan stop complaining and testify of the goodness of God that you made it out that God brought you out that God rescued you
And when we understand that there's some great work that God would have us to do, then you start to get excited. God doesn't want to just use Pastor Steve to rock miracles. God wants all of you to rock miracles. They don't want just somebody to call, uh, call, call so they can come and pray. No, no, I had, I had a friend of mine whose baby was, was in the little cradle, and I'm almost through. And in the cradle, uh, the baby started to turn blue. Now, my friend really didn't have a prayer life, but they knew Jesus. And so they got on the phone and they tried to call me, uh, but I wasn't available. They tried to call the prayer warrior, and the prayer warrior, she wasn't available. Tried to call one of the other elders, and she couldn't get nobody. Finally, she called 911, and the ambulance was on the way. But the ambulance was taking too long, and it looked like the baby stopped breathing. She dropped the side of the, of the, of the cradle, and she put the baby on the floor, and she got down on her knees, and she said, God, I don't know you like I should, but if you're real, cause my baby to breathe. And it looked like nothing was happening. She grabbed some oil. She started laying hands on the baby. Before you knew it, she was tearing. She started speaking in other tongues, and all of a sudden, breath came back to the baby. She got up on her feet. She put the baby back in the cradle and she gave God a praise like she had never gave God a praise before. God will put you in incremental situations to change your prayer life so that you can realize who he is so that you can minister to the world. God is still a healer. God is still a deliverer. God is still setting free. I wish it was somebody in here that would open your mouth and begin to give God praise. He's still able. He's still able. Shake your neighbor and tell him he's still able. He's still able. I don't care what you're dealing with. I don't care what you're going through. He's still able. I don't care what the struggle is. He's still able. I don't care what your mind says. He's still able. I don't care what law they pass. He's still able. I don't care how bad it gets. He's still able. Somebody holler, he's able. He's able, he's able, he's able, he's able to bring you out. He's able to turn it around. He's able, he's able. I wish I had 35 people in here that didn't mind hollering. He's able. Come on, clap your hands and give him praise. We got work to do. 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 Come on, stand to your feet. Hallelujah. We got work to do. Awaken the sleeping giant. Can't be quiet. Can't be quiet. I can only imagine what would have happened to me if the woman that ministered to me while I was incarcerated would have said, ain't no hope for him. He in here for double murder. He going to get the chair. Ain't no sense in ministering to him. She didn't say that. She said, young man, come here. And she said, do you know Jesus? I wasn't in the least bit thinking about Jesus. I was thinking about how long I had before they extradite me to Florida and give me the needle. I wasn't thinking about Jesus. 
I think about all the dumb stuff I did in my life. Think about the lives that I took. Think about all the drugs that I sold. I wasn't thinking about Jesus. And she spoke to me, and she spoke from love out of her heart. She didn't care what I did. She didn't judge me. She didn't look at me like that. She just began to share the love of Jesus. And I was too tough to cry in her face. I was too tough to, to submit in her face. I went to my room that night and said, God, if you're real. See, what we don't understand is one plant, whew, one water, and God give the increase. That night I said, God, if you're real, come into my life. If you're not, then get away from me and don't bother me no more. Just then I felt a burning sensation in my stomach. I began to cry for the first time in my life. I began to say, thank you, Jesus. God became real to me in an eight by eight cell. What's wrong with us? We're free. We're free in our minds. We're free. We're liberated. And we're walking by people that are locked up every day. Locked up in sin. They're locked up in depression. They're locked up in family issues. And we have the keys to unlock them. I want to be the first to repent today. God, I'm sorry for passing your church on the way to church. God, I'm sorry for not, not being the example to my friends. God, I'm sorry for being too carnal and not being spiritual enough to let the light shine around those I'm around every day. I'll be the first to repent. Today I believe there's some others in this room. You know you got greatness in you. And this is not about your sin. This is about your neglect. The fact that we neglected to do the work that God has called us to do. It shouldn't be an empty seat in this house. It should be folks standing against the wall trying to figure out what must I do to be saved. It should be folk coming in here testifying. I met one of the members of Passion down at the store and, and my leg, I couldn't, I couldn't move it. But after I talked to them, I'm bending my leg and I'm running. Those are the stories that we ought to hear. I was in front of the store begging, but one of the passionate members spoke to me and something got in me and I got up and I got my life together. I got a job. I got a place. Those ought to be the stories. I was high as a kite and one of the passion members spoke to me, messed up my high. And I ain't been high since. Where are the stories? At the end of this Voices series, don't let your voice die. But let your voice radiate in the world that Jesus is still real. Father, oh, I bless you in this place. I thank you for your love. I thank you for your peace. Right now, God, I thank you for your conviction. Feel the conviction in my own heart, God, that we've got to awaken this giant and that our voices have to radiate this world. People are dying, God, because we've 
become complacent. People are going to hell because we just don't want to speak up. But today, God, as our heads are bowed, as our eyes are closed, we're submitting to you a true and authentic repentance. If you're ready to do the work, I challenge you to lift both your hands. If you're ready for greatness to come out of you, I challenge you to lift both your hands. Father, these are the hands of submission that say, I'm not worried if I'm qualified. You qualified me when you called me. <laughs> now I'm ready, God, for the signs that follow them that believe. That in my name shall they cast out devils. Woo! They shall speak in new tongues. And if they drink anything deadly, it will not hurt them. So God, as these hands are lifted, send the power of your anointing that stories will flow into Passion Church that testimonies will flow into Passion Church God that people will come running and asking what must I do to be saved and we will testify of the goodness of Jesus and I say this say God today I make a declaration that regardless of what I might be going through, my light will shine bright. The world will know woo, that you are still real, that you are powerful, that you're healing and setting free. I'll cry loud and spare not. Thank you for honor and an opportunity to do your work. And from today on, I promise I'll do better. I thank you for this message. I thank you for the conviction of the Holy Ghost. Now use me, Lord. Use me, Lord. Use me, Lord. Use me, Lord. Father, we're thankful for your word. I'm reminded in scripture that anytime you said something more than once, we're supposed to take notice. It should catch our attention. Father, what I recognize is that through every message that's been brought forth during this series, all four speakers, no compared notes, that over and over and over and over again, you've consistently talked to us about telling our story, about seeing needs and allowing those needs to become our call. So Father, we take notice. You've said it four different ways, four different times after I'd already spoken about it four weeks in a row. So Father, we take heed that you're calling this church. Not This is not about all the other churches. You have a mandate on them. You're calling this church to become a church for the unchurched. You're calling this house to become a place of rescue and restoration and safety for people that don't normally like church 
And the only way that works, Father, is not that we do things inside that get their attention, but that all of us go outside these four walls and we begin to share your love and tell our story and attract them to you. May we heed the word that you've repeated to us over and over again. I pray that you would accomplish what you set out to accomplish in us. This place that you call passion. May we become a place of hope for people that desperately need hope. And I commission every person here today Every person that has attached themselves to passion, I commission them this morning that you're calling us to change how we operate. That we would be people that would become very bold and very vocal about Jesus and about the church that you've placed us in. That we would begin to bring people and love on them and win them for your namesake. And I just declare over us that the months of two or three people getting saved are over. I declare in the name of Jesus right now that we are going to begin to see months where there are dozens and dozens and fifties and sixties and hundreds saved. We claim that. Father, we won't take any of their credit for that. We won't take any of the glory for that. We'll give it to you because what we recognize is that one person can't do that. It's going to take all of us, all of us, all of us going back through our, our contact list, finding people that are unattached and disillusioned and hurting and telling them about you. We claim them for your namesake. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Come on, turn to your neighbor right now and say, I'll do my part if you'll do your part. Come on, tell them and then you can be seated. I'll do my part if you'll do your part. Thank you, LaVon. That's a word from the Lord, man. We love you. We appreciate you. And I, I can just sense that uh, God is up to something. I, I leaned over to Julie and I said, this is un- It's been a privilege to have you join us for this time of ministry. To find more Passion Church resources or to make a donation online, visit www.passionchurch.tv. Remember, you can't live without passion.